This is the Pickle Planet Podcast with Jenna and Tosh. Sit back and get a drink. Let's talk about parenting and how to survive it. Hello and welcome to the Pickle Planet Podcast. I'm Jenna Morton. And I'm Tosh Taylor. Thanks for joining us today. We have an incredible story today. Every time we bring a guest on the podcast, we always make sure we bring the most incredible people ever. Right? <laughs> yes. Yes. Right. Yes. If we've invited you, we think a lot of you. That's very true. That's very <laughs> true. So today we have with us Kim Plumar. And Kim, you are an incredible mother and a very, very talented educator. Um, but today we are here talking about your extraordinary parenting journey. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So uh, let's just start at the beginning. You've started uh, an amazing blog, yes. but there was lots happening before the blog ever started. Yes. Um, so the blog started when my youngest was born because she was born with some special needs. Um, but I created the blog many years before thinking I would start writing at some point, but I really had nothing to to start that writing, no reason to write. So, um, but we started our parenting journey 15 years ago as foster parents. When we thought that we weren't going to have our own biological children, we started fostering. So that's how our parenting journey started. And we had 25, um, I was gonna say students, 25 kids in and out of our home over the course of five years, either for one night stays or weeks to six months stays. So that's how we started. Wow, 25 children. Yep. That's now, a lot of kids. That is a lot of kids. and Not I, all at once. No, <laughs> no, but still, that's a, that's a yeah. lot of kids to bring through your yes. life. Yeah. And to, to have that, that moment or, you know, that extended amount of time with and then to say goodbye as well. Mm-hmm. That's Especially, um, you obviously wanted to have your own children. So the hardship of bringing these children in and then, and then giving them back to whatever situation they have to go back mm-hmm. into, that must have really pulled at your heartstrings. It was very difficult. Absolutely. Probably one of the most difficult things we'd gone through up until our youngest child being born. Okay. Yeah. Before we jump ahead to that, yes. I, I'd love to talk a little bit more about fostering because I know, I think a lot of people underestimate the need Mm -hmm. for that in New Brunswick right now. Can you tell us just a little bit more about fostering and what what is needed in our community? So it's been a long time. We've been out of the system for quite a while, but at the time, and I I think the need is still there, just even sometimes just for a one-night placement when it's an emergency call that they have nowhere to put them that night, or sometimes it's just for a weekend giving another foster family relief. We did a lot of that, and then sometimes it was longer term. So, but you had to be really flexible, and you never really knew when you were going to get that call, how many you were receiving, or when they would come to take them away again. But the need is definitely there, and I'm an educator, and I see it every day that the need is there for foster families. Now, if you were a family in the Moncton area that wanted to get involved with fostering just quickly, do you remember how to get involved with that? We called social development. Okay. And we went through some pride training, um, and that was pretty intensive as well. We went through all of that, and then we went through a home evaluation, which is also pretty intensive, mm-hmm. and then we were approved for, for to be a home. Excellent. Yeah. What went into making that decision as a couple mm-hmm. that you were going to make that call and put yourselves forward as a foster family? We knew we really wanted to be parents, and we were told that we would probably never have our own biological children, so that just seemed to be the next step. We were hoping to one day adopt. At that time, the wait list was roughly 10 years for a newborn. Wow. So we that was our in to have children in our lives, and I was the first on my side of the family 
to have children, so that would have been their my parents' first time at having grandchildren. So that's why we took that that route originally, um, and we liked it. F for we liked it, even though it was hard. We liked having children in the house, especially around Christmas time. Oh my gosh, yes, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah when you had none, no children, and then you went to having children in the house at Christmas time, it was nice. Well, because you would have had quite the age range with foster children mm -hmm. as well, right? It's it's not just newborns who mm -hmm. who need that service. It's quite often older children. Mm -hmm. What kind of age span did you? We deal had with? right up until teenagers. Yeah. A lot of newborns that we would get calls to go pick up at um, the hospital and bring them home. They usually didn't tend to stay as long. Sometimes, again, it was just overnight or until a family member was found that could take them. Um, but we had all ages. We had families of four. We had a family of five once. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. It's a good thing you guys have a big house, eh? Uh, we well, <laughs> don't have a big house, actually, but, but it worked. Because sometimes it was just for a few nights. Right. So Yeah, you make you make do. You made it do. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This whole time you're fostering, you're still trying to have your own family. China. How did that happen? Um, so we went through in vitro for, at Conceptia twice. We went through fertility treatments um, and neither worked. And so we just kept plugging away. And then finally, I remember driving home. I was teaching in Petticodiac at the time. And I remember carpooling home with someone and saying, okay, well, if it's not meant to be, and I'm okay with that. And I can just remember the, the feeling of release. I'll never be a, a mother. I'll never have biological children and that's okay. And three weeks later, I found out I was pregnant on my own, on our own, um, with no fertility treatment or anything. Oh my gosh. So, and we had been pregnant before, but we had lost them. There had been numerous miscarriages, so, but this time there was a heartbeat. Oh. And so, and we went frequently for ultrasounds, and I was put on a daily needle, a blood thinner, to keep from blood clotting. Okay. Um, and and he came, Griffin came, yeah. But it was a long nine months. A, yes, it is the longest nine months. When you're a high risk pregnancy, it is the longest nine months of your life. And I Griffin guess. is now nine. He's nine, so. yeah. <laughs> almost ten. Yes. Wow, wow, yeah. incredible. That's um, that's quite. It just gives me chills. I, you know, I, know, I like, can tell. I the, can tell the you're... release of letting it go, and then mm -hmm. they're meant to be. They're meant to be, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely, mm -hmm. absolutely. So then after Griffin comes hope yeah <laughs> there was a few miscarriages in between and we were really content with just having the one child mm -hmm. um then we experienced a few miscarriages some of them those were more difficult because they carried for longer um and lost them at, at later points and those seemed to be harder to go through and again we just thought okay well we'll just have the one and that's okay and right before Griffin turned five i found out i was pregnant with hope and again, same thing, we went for frequent ultrasounds and the heartbeat kept going and going and then we got to the 12 weeks and the heartbeat was still going and those milestones, 12 weeks, 14 weeks. So, and then she came out very, with a big personality. Yeah. Yeah, Hope has a big personality and she came out that way, so, yeah. That's good, I hope she keeps that. Yeah. yeah. It's a big one. It's a big one. And then very quickly after Hope came Robin, so they're very close in age. They are so, very close yeah. in age. I extended my mat leave. Um, it was before the 18-month mat leave, the federal 18-month mat leave, but I extended my mat leave because I was to go back in April, uh, May, which is an awkward time to go back when you're a teacher. Mm -hmm. I was the vice principal at Edith Cavell at the time. So I'd extended my mat leave until September, end of August, and I just got back to work, um, and the principal had taken, had gone off on a leave, and so I was acting principal and started to feel sick and thought it was because of the nerves of taking on a new role and quickly learned that here I was in my 40s and my third child was on her way. So we kept it 
quiet for the longest time, not knowing one, if we would miscarry, and two, I was in a new role. Glenn was almost 50. Yeah. <laughs> it seemed odd to be having our children so late, so we kept it um, to ourselves for a long time. And then Robin arrived, yeah. Wow. So they're very close in age, two years. Two years apart. Two yeah. years. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. I, I just, uh, I love that story because I've been in a similar situation, right, of the, the trying and the trying and the trying. And then, bam, you get three all on your own, mm -hmm. all which on is own. incredible. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. So Robin, though, comes with more than you expected, if we more can say than that. Yeah. Yes. yes. <laughs> so, and that's when, so the blog had started. I'd written, I knew I wanted to blog, but I really had nothing driving the blog. So I created a blog, but never in entered any, anything. Then I was put off work a couple of weeks early with Robin um, and wrote my first blog, not knowing that when Robin was born, she was going to be born with special needs and that would propel the blog and me writing. So I sat down that day that I was put off and was just, I like to work, I'm a workaholic. <laughs> good, whether that's good or bad, I'm a workaholic. And so I was disappointed that I was put off work um, and just reflecting that it was going to be a good year. Um, and I know that I submitted that blog on September 14th, 2017. And ironically enough, Robin was born with special needs and had her surgery one year later on September 14th, 2018. Wow. So she was born, um, and when she was born in, on October 3rd, Glenn said in the delivery room that there was something wrong with her. He said it to the nurse, and the nurse said, oh, you'll love her just the same. And for the next two days, he kept pushing the issue. No, she physically looks different. There's something wrong with her. She looks, she looks different to us. Um, and we really didn't get far with that. So we brought her home, still thinking, and, and documenting and taking pictures that her face seemed not symmetrical to us, and she just looked like there was something different. Mm -hmm. So we pushed the issue for a little while, um, about two or three weeks. We were going to the doctor quite frequently. She was uh, having a hard time latching when she was nursing because her face was not symmetrical. Her lips were not symmetrical. She couldn't latch properly. So we tried a lot of natural things, osteopath and a few other things too. We had her a phrenectomy, so we had her tongue was, or her lip was tied, so we had that cut, thinking that would help and nothing helped. And then I started doing some research on my own and found a diagnosis called craniosynostosis and could see that she had very, she had similarities. So then we went to our family doctor who agreed to put, put us through to a pediatrician. The pediatrician was very open and listened to us and made a referral to the IWK. And the day before her two month birthday, we went to the IWK and they confirmed that she did have craniosynostosis. Wow. So, which I knew going into that meeting mm -hmm. that day. I knew my gut told me that that's what she had. And there's specific types you can have, and I had it nailed down to the exact type. I just knew that that's what she, wow. her symptoms looked like. So, but we pushed for a long time. And that's something that we hear all the time. Like, mm -hmm. as parents, we're their only advocate, right? Mm -hmm. So if you hadn't had pushed and pushed and pushed, you know, you could be just finding out now when she's two, mm -hmm. right? Instead of being where she is at with her surgeries already. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So tell us a little bit more about that diagnosis. What does that mean? So that's when, so often when a baby's born, they're, they have a, a soft spot, what they refer to as a soft spot. So the sutures have not fused together, and that allows the brain to grow. Um, one of hers, luckily only one, was fused, her coronal one, which is right, and it's the, she's left coronal. So it was fused, which meant it pulled her, 
her skull back so the eye socket around there didn't that's why her eye was always open because it was pulling back and she they call it a harlequin eye so a little bit like the rock um that's how they referred to her as the rock so one eye is always closed and one eye is half open um so her sutures one would need it surgery to, to open it so that her brain could grow but as she got older um, her brain grew this way and was pushing on the right side of the back of her skull so she was always tilted and her face was asymmetrical her ears are in different positions and her eyes don't line up so they diagnosed her at two months not quite two months the day before her two-month birthday and she had surgery a month before her first birthday and that was the longest year ever waiting for the surgery was a long process it would be if because she's continuing to grow and you're worried about how how her brain is going to to shape right and and that did they like how do they ease your your worry on that do you know what i mean like i just as a mom you would be well, especially that first year there's so many resources out there we'll say mm. that tell you what your baby should yeah. be doing it's very hard to not pay attention to those and walk your own path of what your child should be doing so they were all wonderful um in hindsight they were wonderful at the time i was very i wanted answers and i wanted services right then so i was i'm sure they would say i was very needy <laughs> um, but i pushed for everything but the care was wonderful so we were seen at the iwk but the care here in moncton from speech pathologist, language patholo uh, speech language pathologist, OT, physio, we were serviced by everyone quite frequently. Um, lactation consultants, they all got me through it really. They were all very, the pediatrician, all, everyone was wonderful. So that's what got me through it. They always answered all of my questions. I did search the internet too much and did a lot of research on my own and had my, I'd, I watched the surgery one night. Um, a YouTube video or? A YouTube video. Yeah. And interestingly <laughs> enough, um, Grey's Anatomy just aired an episode a few weeks ago about craniosynostosis and showed the, the surgery. Wow. Um, I over-researched it. Um, there's a nurse liaison at the IWK who worked closely with me and she would tell me to stop doing that. that <laughs> I knew too much. And, and I would ask very direct questions to the surgeons and they would always try to like tell me to stop doing that. But I, I really looked into it too much. The other thing I did though that was the best thing I could have done is I reached out to parents of other children with that diagnosis and it's one in 20,000 so there's not very many but there happens to be another family another couple families in our area so I was able to connect with them right away people knew people that knew people and that helped more than anything because I could see the end result and know that it was going to be okay but it was really it was a rough ride for yeah. a year yeah incredible and then on top of it you've still got two other young children at yes. home yes. that and jobs mm -hmm. and you know so to try and juggle that whole life I can just imagine it being an extremely stressful year it was so the blog became a way to let we have a very large family and we're a very large friend group and we wanted to make sure they were getting all the information firsthand from us so that's what the blog then became and that was very therapeutic for me but also for Glenn um, he at night would say, well, did you update the blog? And so I quickly learned that that was his way of, uh, he would tell me what to put in it or right. it, was very, it became therapeutic for both of us. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember a few times because I, your husband is actually one of the very first people I ever met when I moved here. Um, so I, I would see you tag him in it and I would feel so bad that I'd be reading the blog, but I was interested because like, I mean, not that we ever talk or hang out anymore, but still, you know, he, yeah. he is a friend of mine. So I was interested in what was going on, I, but 
it, you were still even up, updating the nosy people of the yes. world as well. Yes. <laughs> and we had a lot of people reach out to us, which was nice to know that we weren't alone. And that's how we connected with other families, too, because mm-hmm. they would have known someone of someone. Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely. Yeah. And do you find that other families who get their diagnosis now are finding you and reaching out? Yes. So yeah. when you enter right, or sorry, left coronal, unicoronal craniosynostosis, uh, Robin's picture comes up sometimes, and sometimes it takes them to the blog. So I will get people that reach out to us from all over the world, really, and and tell them what I was told. It'll be okay not to worry about it. This The, the kids are resilient. Again, I was going to say students. <laughs> the kids are, re- are resilient, um, but when you're in it, you don't think that. And you think that this is a very traumatic thing that your child's going to have her skull removed mm-hmm. when she's a baby. So, which is what happened. Her skull was removed and metal was put in on the left side of the skull. Okay. And that's the surgery you watched. Not hers, obviously, but you watched that on, on YouTube. Yeah. So, can we explain more? When, so, when she had her surgery, mm-hmm. what exactly happened? So, you go down the day before um, and do all of the pre-op stuff. And then they come in and explain what's going to happen and give you a rest and estimate of time. And I, I believe one of them said if we come out early that that's not a good thing and if we're going late that's not necessarily a good sign either. So you're sitting in a waiting room mm. waiting. My good friend from university that I've known for 25 years um, lives in Halifax and has a special needs child. So she came and spent the day with me which was very, um, it was nice to have her there because she's familiar with the other WK and was able to walk me through everything. Um, but it was almost like a surreal feeling that whole day. So we waited, um, but what, and they talked, uh, they told us exactly what was going to happen before. Again, I asked a lot of questions about the tools that they were going to use because I had researched that and I probably shouldn't have mm-hmm. hindsight. Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, but they use power tools um, wow. to cut through the skull. So, and that's all I could imagine in there. Your tiny baby My and power tools. tools. Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So that's what they do. They they pull the, without being too graphic, they pull the skin down and then take off the left side, of her, in her case, the left side of the skull and replace it with parts of the skull, some metal, another compound that they explain to us that will dissolve over time. Okay. And then she comes out um, very swollen mm-hmm. and then for the next 48 hours her eyes swelled shut, which is the hardest thing to watch. Um, and she had an incision from ear to ear. Okay. And... Yeah, but she recovered really well. She was very resilient. Okay. So what happens um, as she grows and as she gets older? Like, because our heads all grow, mm-hmm. right? So what, will she have more surgeries or? It's an unknown. Okay. So in some cases, yes, because the bone doesn't graft or, or fill in and you get holes. Right now she's doing very well. So we're seeing, we had been seen every six months, but now we're being seen every year. So we'll see, we were just there in the summer. So we're going back again. Um, and she's followed for our intracranial pressure through the eye doctor. And so that's our next checkup to make sure that there's no pressure. So those are the things that they monitor and then they check the skull, but things seem to be going well so far. Um, they're they're going really well. Excellent. She yeah. seems very resilient. So I I think that you guys are set. From yeah. <laughs> but that's just my opinion. <laughs> she is very resilient. She uh, smiled the whole way through. Wow. And it was a blessing that it was my third child because I was much more easygoing with my third than I was my first. <laughs> I was a little bit of a helicopter with my first. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> so I I yeah. needed that. It, I needed it to happen with my third. And she's much more easygoing, and she's an easygoing child. Yeah. Because I'm much more relaxed with her. Absolutely. So that made it, everything much easier. 
Jenna knows all about that with three as yes. well. Yeah. <laughs> By the time the third one comes along. It's, but it's the same thing. If you go through those kind of traumatic situations with a first, I think for many people, it's that much more traumatic mm -hmm. because it's all new. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you have that baseline of your first child, you know, going through the normal steps, you get rid of some of those right. first jitters. Mm -hmm. And so when you have to go through something larger the next time or later, you have that like, okay, yeah, we can do this. We made it through before. We can make it through with challenges. You know, mm -hmm. our boys had surgeries and different things uh, as well. And so, yeah, that if we hadn't had that first experience, the second would have been so different. Yes. And it, it's so hard to try to put myself in the shoes of someone dealing with those kind of diagnosis with a first child. Yes. Yeah. yeah it must be so much more. It, I need it to practice the first two right. times to get through the, the practice. <laughs> yeah, Do you tell Absolutely. them that you're yeah. a practice child. I'm a learner, so. <laughs> um, before we wrap things up, there is um, a fundraiser in town that you and Glenn like to be a big part of because of the IWK and the Ronald McDonald House yes. that you guys have obviously used the Ronald McDonald House in Halifax. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so what is that fundraiser that's here in town, the PJ... The Pajama Walk. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we participated best. for the first time this year and we thought, oh, we'll just maybe post it on our Facebook and get a few donations. But we actually raised $1,500, but that was without trying. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So next year we're going to make a real effort to try. But the Ronald McDonald House um, was excellent because Glenn had, it was a place for Glenn to stay specifically. He stayed there the whole time and would come back. Um, during the day but he, he's someone that needs his space mm -hmm. so I was in the hospital the whole time but he would go get rested and then come back and it was really instrumental for us um, and a big relief that we were accepted in because you never know when you when you're going down if they're going to have room for you but that's true yeah that's so, very true yeah, it's yeah, a tremendous we, resource it is a tremendous yeah. resource yeah even the room here at the hospital I know that that was our place we spent a lot of time <laughs> <laughs> at the Ronald McDonald room that the Moncton Hospital has and yeah, to know that that resource exists for people that need to travel is, it, it really is priceless and immeasurable and everyone should help in any way yes. you can. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if you don't have money, the one here at the hospital will take your time to come help. Right, that's very true. <laughs> yes. Food donations yeah. too, right? Don't yes. they take food yep. donations Yeah, they everything? quite yeah. often will post what, what food that they're they're looking for. Yeah. And I know they do the same thing for the, for the house in Halifax as well, which is... Yeah, it's a fantastic spot. And just getting to know the other parents and knowing that you're not alone in, and sometimes hearing their stories makes you put things into perspective with yeah. your own journey. Yeah, that that's very true. Yeah, and so the PJ Walk happens every June. Okay. Right? Yes. 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 Yeah. Sure. Well, yes. the last, the last three years. I, was, the last I don't three years remember what month June. it is. They all went together, but sure, it was June. <laughs> just so people are watching, oh, when is this? Why? It, it, It'll come. Yes. We'll let you know. Yes. It should be in the spring. I believe the last three years it's happened in June, and they've been slowly expanding to different cities as well. So I think Moncton, we've had it three or four times now. I can't remember exactly how many. Well, and it's great for kids yeah. if you have, oh, my uh, kids like, love it. Yeah. For our kids love it, too. Yeah. yeah. For families, it's a great activity. There's yeah. lots to do. You wear your PJs, you walk around the park, you get some pancakes, and you meet incredible people. Mm -hmm. Pancakes? Pancakes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Excellent. So let's remind people where to find your blog if they'd like to follow along, if they want to go back and see some of what you've written. Sure. I, the, the blog is called Just Breathe Hope Today, um, and it's on WordPress. It hasn't been updated in a while. I haven't had a lot of time to um, update it, but she's doing well. Our last update, I think, was at the one-year post-op. 
So that's that's where they can find it if they want to read more about it. Yeah, especially if they, you know, someone may know somebody listening today exactly. that is just starting on that journey, and you guys will be extremely helpful in that, especially if they just read the blog or reach out. So yeah, reach out anytime because we're that's what helped us was people reaching out to us. Excellent. Thank you so much. No problem. Thank, thank you for you. having me. Thank Absolutely. You. And thank you for listening and for watching. You can uh, catch us on Rogers on Monday nights and then repeated throughout the week. And of course, if you're listening, we're on iTunes, we're on Spotify and through the website, pickleplanetmoncton.com. That's right. Don't forget to subscribe. Thanks.